Feed me! Feed me now! Are you hungry? It's time. Here we go. Welcome, my name is Tessa, and I'm joined by Amber. This is The Feed. Oh, so exciting. Uh, Today we are talking Marvel, and if you're asking yourself, well, why are they talking Marvel? Black Panther came out last night. Yes, so to represent the good Marvel name, I'm getting all cozy and weird in my Spider-Man onesie. And I'm not, Tessa. What are we talking about first? (laughs) Uh, Well, we're going to get all up in the ins and outs of how being a nerd went from awful to awesome. Yes, and now we want to welcome our very first guest... Alan! Tessa, Amber. Hi. So, the year is 2018. The globe is warming. People are eating Tide Pods. Donald Trump is president of the United States. But more than anything, the nerds have risen. What we do is what you wish to do. Nerds. What are they? After all... Nerd used to be an insult. Nerds were squares, dorks, losers. You are such a loser. So why is it that in recent years, nerd culture has come out of the proverbial closet and taken over? What was once considered nerdy and dorky, supposed to be hiding in the dark shadows away from the masses, has suddenly sprouted out and spilled over into the mainstream. The dorky spandex-clad superheroes from comic books are now larger-than-life figures battling evil on screen. But when did this go from dorky to awesome? Well, it became more accessible, for one. Whereas what's generally considered geeky, such as the Marvel comic books, had once been fairly niche, it's now available to a larger audience. The majority of people have likely seen at least one of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Far fewer will have read, nor will ever read, one of the comic books the movies come from. But why have superhero movies become so prominent? Are we nerds breeding more? Is it contagious? Not really. The answer is simple. Hollywood wanted to cash in. That's not to say that superhero movies haven't been made in the past. Who could forget Spider-Man hanging from his web, making out with Mary Jane while hanging upside down? Those films were a good taste of the power that nerds could bring. Hollywood liked that taste. They craved more. In the same way that the 80s were largely dominated by chick flick romantic comedies, superhero movies have now moved into the top tier of the zeitgeist. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now, so when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. Yes, that's perfect. Just like that, be incredibly boring. Marvel's really proven this ravenous lust when it comes to films because, in spite of the success of the original Tobey Maguire-fronted trilogy, Spider-Man has now been rebooted three times in the past 15 years. The latest version of Spidey was introduced in Captain America Civil War, which isn't a Spider-Man movie, and it's not really a Captain America movie, despite being called a Captain America movie. It's more of an Avengers movie that features all the Avengers, but then Spider-Man gets drawn into it. Confused? (laughs) Don't blame ya. But as multifaceted as the movies have become, they're actually quite simple in relation to their comic book originals. But the passion that nerds have for multiple storylines, complex characters, and crossover universes knows no bounds. Nonetheless, Marvel's massive success in the film industry has opened the nerddom up to the masses. 
Marvel Studios has produced 18 films since 2007, and at least eight more are currently in various stages of production. The series has collectively grossed over $13.5 billion at the global box office, making it the highest-grossing film franchise of all time. I'm not knocking nerds, mind you. I mean, quite frankly, I'm a giant nerd myself. But it can take, you know, a lot of dedication and, and commitment to understanding everything that's going on in the pages of a fictional world. With the more mainstream movies Marvel's been releasing, um, such a commitment becomes less necessary. Thus, the nerdiness is now everywhere. How far us nerds have come. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Yes, this nerd uprising gives me so much hope. I wonder what the original nerds think about their fandoms becoming mainstream. Uh, well, Tessa, speaking of original nerds, I have a weird question. I was wondering if I could borrow your onesie. Um, maybe? Why? Well, it's no big deal. It's just for this super fan I interviewed, I think he'd love it. I'm gonna let you guys in on a secret. I'm a huge dork. Okay, so that's not new information, but hear me out. I love Star Trek, I love Lord of the Rings, but one thing I loved since birth is Marvel. I scoured the Earth, searching for nerds to talk to, someone to interact with, and then I found him. The man who I would come to know as father. It was my dad. Hello, I'm Dwayne Palmer, and I am a Marvel superfan. Dad has been a fan forever. He grew up on comics, and his favorite heroes were Iron Fist and Power Man. With the rise in superhero movies and the world becoming saturated with tall, buff dudes in tights, I wanted to know how does someone who knows these guys inside and out feel about people taking them and rewriting them? I like the movies, but I'm also a critic of the movies, right? <laughs> I'd like them to be as accurate as they can, right? But don't cramp kids' dreams. You grew up watching this person, reading about this person, you pretty much know almost everything there is to know about them. And then suddenly somebody comes up and changes everything. We've now reached the part of our show called Dwayne's Nerdy Rambles, in which my dad rambles about Alpha Force. Alpha Force, that's what I really want to see. Alpha Force is essentially Canada's version of the Avengers. Alpha Force was the very first comic my dad ever got me. It was the very first thing I ever read. It's essentially what shaped me into the giant dork I am today. Without comics, I'd probably be sitting in an office somewhere staring at a wall. Instead, I'm sitting in a tiny room looking at a microphone. So as you can see, my dad is a huge dork. But I am also a huge dork. And without people like my dad, I wouldn't be the dork I am today. I know that's kind of cheesy and silly, but it's true. I love being a dork. And my dad and Marvel are so to blame. I keep on making it. Make the younger, younger generation get into it now. Every year is a new kid wanting to read a comic book. Okay, okay, okay. So, let me get this straight. You want to borrow my onesie for your dad? Yes. Is that weird? I don't know. You might have to fight Kayla for it because she, too, is a big fan. Oh, hey, Kayla. Hi, guys. Yes, I, I do have my eyes on that onesie. And since we're talking all things nerd and geek today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Marvel supervillains. Let's see if you can guess this iconic creature. Poison to you, Spider-Man. That's why we call ourselves Venom. Venom symbiote is a fictional character appearing in Marvel comic books closely associated with Spider-Man. The character is a sentient alien symbiote with amorphous liquid form who requires a host, usually human, to bond with for its survivor. After bonding, the symbiote endows its enhanced powers upon the host. 
when the Venom symbiote bonds with a human, that new dual life form refers to itself as Venom. The Venom symbiote was originally introduced as an organic alien costume in The Amazing Spider-Man issue 252, May 1984, with the first full appearance as Venom in The Amazing Spider-Man issue 300, May 1988. Together, he doesn't stand a chance. Interested. The Venom symbiote's first known host was Spider-Man, who eventually separated himself from the creature when he discovered its true and volatile nature. The symbiote went on to merge with other hosts, most notably Eddie Brock and its second and most infamous host with whom it first became Venom and one of Spider-Man's archenemies. According to S.H.I.E.L.D., it is considered to be one of the greatest threats to humanity alongside Magneto, Doctor Doom, and the Red Skull. He has also made an appearance in the 2000 series of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Problem is, Eddie Brock isn't the same guy he once was. Why don't we introduce you to our better half? We call ourselves... Venom. Venom is going to have his own movie, which I have to say I'm super excited about. Since I was a kid, I've always dreamed of a much darker, twisted, macabre Venom. I'm finally going to get my wish along with many other comic fans in the world because this new Venom movie promises exactly that. It will be released on October 5th, 2018, starring Tom Hardy. So mark your calendars, kids. It's go time. Wear your old clothes, kid. Your hand-me-downs. The symbiote that Peter Parker tried to destroy, Eddie Brock has embraced we awesome kayla thanks for sharing all of that stuff with us no problem hey guys do you see that light out there i see a light i think it i think it's a meteor i'm gonna go check this out bye oh my gosh she just flew away ridiculous well (laughs) do you know what this one the, the the one thing this onesie gets me in the mood for Tessa, there's windows everywhere. Do I want to know? It is business time. What? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk business. You know, like, like ownership and stuff. Marvel has had arguably the most complicated division of its superheroes ever when it comes to film rights. Let's talk about that. For a long time, Marvel characters were divided by several production companies. Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Deadpool, and more were all properties of 20th Century Fox. Meanwhile, the main Marvel Cinematic Universe resided within the walls of Disney, specifically with the Marvel Studios sector. This means the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, and many, many more are owned by a different company. If the Disney wrench weren't large enough, the oh-so-beloved Spider-Man is property of a third company, Sony Pictures. So what does it mean? It means fans of the comics haven't necessarily been getting what they want. It means certain comic storylines are being ignored. McAvoy or Stewart, these timelines are so confusing. It means things got a little awkward when it came to characters like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Remember when Quicksilver was unceremoniously removed from the Avengers? Or when the only glimpse you saw of Scarlet Witch was in X-Men Days of Future Past for like five seconds? Yeah, that's because two different companies were hoping to use them. But because the world of film rights is vast and complicated, those characters couldn't be in both for too long. So now you say... But Tessa, you said that Spider-Man is owned by Sony, and Captain America is owned by Marvel Studios, and yet everyone's favorite arachnid-themed superhero was in 2016's Captain America Civil War, a Marvel Studio film. 
Care to explain? Why, yes, I do. Disney and Sony have been in cahoots for literal years at this point about where this little wall crawler belongs. They finally settled on what is essentially the two sharing Spidey, an unusual settlement to say the least. Here's the thing, Marvel Studios, aka Disney, didn't have to pay a cent to use Spider-Man in not only Civil War, but also the upcoming Avengers Infinity Wars saga. In short, the studios basically agreed to split the profits of any Spider-Man movie created. If that's not teamwork, I don't know what is. Now you're wondering, well, why can't Disney and 20th Century Fox do the same? Interestingly enough, Disney went the lawyer up and buy him out route. It's almost like the studio couldn't afford another X-Men. That's right, 20th Century Fox officially handed the rights to all their films over to Disney, meaning fans will finally get an X-Men movie imagined by Marvel Studios. <clears throat> and we might finally get an adequate Fantastic Four movie. The deal officially went through in December of 2017, and for the most part, people are thrilled. Except what about Deadpool? Oh, you're expecting a teaser for Deadpool 2. Well, we don't have that kind of money. The anti-hero is known for being, well, quite frankly, nasty. The first Deadpool movie was R-rated with very good reason. It will certainly be interesting to see how Disney approaches that seemingly ticking time bomb. Other than that, it sounds to me like we might be getting some more cohesive storylines when it comes to the Marvel characters. I, for one, am pumped to see what Disney and Marvel Studios will do with some already very cherished heroes. Informative, no? Very, I fell asleep. Great! Well, if you liked that, you're gonna love this. It's time to bring in our next guest. Business boy himself, Seth Hennig. It is time to talk more business. Hey girls, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. Oh yeah, thanks for coming So anyways, I was thinking about Black Panther and Marvel and comics in general, and one thing keeps coming to my mind. The money. Since Hollywood has decided to bless us with some quality superhero movies, yeah, I'm looking at you, Tobey Maguire and Topher Grace, the comic book industry has seen some major growth, which is why I decided to give you a rundown on... Comic Book Business! Oh, shoot! Superman is DC, not Marvel. Oh well. Gauging comic book sales can be tricky. There's no real tally of actual purchases by consumers. So instead, the industry measures it in units purchased by retailers from publishers. It's kind of a weird system. Anyways, it shouldn't be a surprise to you that as far as the big boys go, Marvel is number one. Hail Hydra! Hail indeed! In 2017, Marvel was the top-selling publisher and has had the best-selling issue of the year with Marvel Legacy number 1. In fact, Marvel had four of the five best-selling comics of the year, with DC stealing the number 2 spot with Dark Knight's Metal number 1. Comic book sales are back to where they were in the early 90s, but do yourself a favor, don't Google comics in the 90s. It's a weird touchy spot with fans for some reason. I spoke with Jeremy Brandy, the manager at Wizards Comics and Collectibles, about how the movies affect the comic book industry. Well, I find that, like, especially, like, first appearances, key appearances, people, those will spike quite significantly when the movies come out. So people will go a little crazy and pay a little more than they're worth sometimes when the movies are making everything hot. And a lot more when things are in the limelight, when they're seeing it on the news. Like a big example of that was uh, Captain America this year. They made him a Hydra agent. And it, because they made him a Hydra agent, it made the news. And then people who don't even collect comic books were coming in and buying books. 
And what about Black Panther? Have we seen an increase in his popularity since the movie was announced? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I just uh, sold a Black Panther first uh, Silver Age appearance yesterday. And there we have it. The movies are a huge help to our local comic book stores, even bringing in new customers who have never read comics before. How long will this superhero craze last? No one knows. Personally, I don't want to see it end anytime soon. Awesome. Well, thanks, Seth. Well, ladies, thank you so much for inviting me on the show and just insisting that I be here. For now, I need to say goodbye. All right. My people need me. Okay, well, he also just flew away. Uh, jinkies. And now, back to the feed on NR92. (laughs) Welcome back. Today's topic is Marvel. For now, though, it's time to answer the age-old question. Marvel or DC? Dun, dun, dun. Courtney, what is good? Well, for me, DC Comics. I know we're talking about Marvel here, but DC is just close to home for me. Batman is my favorite. I love Wonder Woman, and don't even get me started on Superman. I thought I'd skim the surface of the longtime Marvel versus DC battle. In the comic book universe, there are two powerhouses, Marvel and DC Comics. Marvel has been on the forefront lately with a steady stream of major motion picture releases. DC Comics, on the other hand, has been falling short when it comes to releasing major blockbusters. Trying to compete with the Avengers... There was an idea called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people, see if they could become something more. With Justice League... They said the age of heroes would never come again. Or bringing out the band of misfits that was Suicide Squad. It's taken some work, but I finally have them. The worst of the worst. To counteract something like Guardians of the Galaxy. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. A bunch of a-holes. And you probably know how both of those worked out. That's a really bad sign. This doesn't mean DC is doing things wrong. Last year, DC found some cinematic achievement with Wonder Woman, showcasing an empowering female superhero which marvel has yet to do it is our sacred duty to defend the world and it's what i'm going to do the film was really a flying success for dc when it comes to tv shows marvel has been spitting out netflix originals left right and center with daredevil jessica jones luke cage the defenders the thing about war is it only works if both sides believe they're the good guys and more but dc has some shows as well warner brothers has created the flash arrow gotham Legends of Tomorrow. I can't imagine any kind of future where I'm a hero. Well, you're not. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Among others. To put the TV shows head-to-head, it comes down to the fans' personal taste and preference, because both have some heavy hitters. With that in mind, I think that's the whole point of the two. That it really isn't a Marvel versus DC battle, but a variety and larger selection for superhero fans. Everyone has their favorite comics and superheroes, the ones they admired and imagined themselves as while they were growing up. Not everything is or should be measured on success. I think both Marvel and DC have their strengths and weaknesses, just like every superhero does. Oh, that was super interesting take on the Marvel vs. DC debate, Courtney. Well, thanks. Well, you already knew that Marvel beats DC in comic sales, but I had to put my little bit of DC in because, like I said, it is my favorite. You can get back to Marvel now. It's okay. <laughs> thanks, Courtney. All right, now for the question we are all asking, what about Black Panther? Right, I mean, Black Panther is literally why we decided to talk Marvel in the first place. Trey, baby, talk to me. Amber, Tessa, what's up, guys? Hello, Trey. Now, as you guys know, Black Panther came out last night, and a lot of people are stoked. Now, Black Panther is looking to make $150 million at the box office office this weekend, 
But the question is, who is Black Panther and what impact will it have on the general population and more importantly, young black kids around the world? Many Marvel fans have been excited for the standalone film of Marvel's Black Panther. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. What do you know about Wakanda? And now, just to give you a run-through about who Black Panther is and where he comes from, he's a character that was created by writer-editor Stan Lee and writer-artist Jack Kirby. He first appeared in Fantastic Four number 52 in July 1966. The Black Panther's real name is T'Challa. He is a king and protector of the fictional African nation called Wakanda. Along with possessing enhanced abilities achieved through ancient Wakandan rituals, T'Challa also relies on his proficiency in science, rigorous physical training, hand-to-hand -hand combat skills, and access to wealth and advanced technology to combat his enemies. You're telling me that the king of a third world country runs around in a bulletproof cat suit? Wait. Black Panther opens today. And now this movie is a milestone in black culture's mark on Hollywood. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. In the States, the King of Wakanda has sparked lectures and academic panel discussions sponsored by universities and churches. Far and wide, African Americans are treating Black Panther as both a holiday and a policy proposal. Panther movie, amazing, outstanding, flawless, great acting, great cinematography, a must-see Black Panther, so says Snoop Dogg. Uh, thanks Snoop Dogg. Setting it up to affect Hollywood and African-American culture in a way that goes far and beyond box office returns. Now what's the difference about Black Panther? Well, it will feature an almost entirely African-American cast of characters. It's directed by Ryan Coogler, a young African-American director whose first two films, Fruitvale Station and Creed, won numerous awards from film associations and festivals across the globe. Black Panther stars Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan talk about their relations with Ryan Coogler and what their vision was for this movie. This movie is going to be, you know, a superhero movie. It's going to be about something. You know, because the Black Panther comic book already is about something, right. but we have the opportunity to put a particular stamp on it. Yep. Now, this movie is not only a huge statement within the realm of Hollywood, but it also gives young black children a strong, powerful lead to look up to. I'm excited for Black Panther and its potential impact on Hollywood and our society as a whole. Aw, oh, thanks, Trey. I know Tessa and I are, like, super excited about it. Uh, well, today's been chock full of valuable and not at all nerdy information. Hey, Amber? Exactly. We learned the ins and outs of Marvel's business along with the cultural shift it's had on the world. Plus, watching two people fly away and even talking about comic book rivalries. We've been sort of overloaded with info. Um, hey, Tessa, are these are these yours? Um, no, I think Trey left those here. Oh, well, it's, it says it's to see Black Panther in 10 minutes. I'll drive. Oh, thanks for joining us on the feed today. Tune in next week where we talk about, well, nothing. Because it's reading week. Bye! Bye.